Good morning, Fremont Community Church. Good morning. This, uh, this morning is one of those reminders of the tug of war that seems to be present in our life together as, as a church. Uh, so many are grieving. Um, so many who loved Blake, um, as Matt just mentioned, and are heartbroken over um, his death. And, and I just want to encourage us all to continue to pray uh, for his family, his parents, Lori and Eric, and, um, and all of those uh, his, his, who, are, who are grieving him, his, his family, his close friends. Let's pray that the presence of Jesus be near them. And thank you to everyone who has reached out and, and is supporting them um, through prayer and, and, and other means. And, um, and whether it's, you know, this, this senseless tragedy that, that many are grieving um, this week or other, some other situation in our lives, uh, some of us come this Sunday and the number one thing that's weighing on our shoulders is a sense of grief, sense of this is too much um, why do I have to bear this burden? And at the same time, some of us come in here today with a different set of circumstances. Life has brought things worth celebrating. A new job, a baby girl on the way. Uh, like me, celebrating a child being baptized today. And, and this is what is so hard about the Christian life. Competing things can be true all at the same time. We can be crushed by grief and have joy and celebration in the same household in the same church family. And I start with this today because we so often need to be reminded of, of, of so much, but particularly two things. The first is this, Jesus is risen. It's only been two weeks since Easter, but that's been more than enough time for life circumstances to take a big and painful swing at our hope. But just like the cross took a big and painful swing at our hope, 2,000 years ago, the resurrection of Jesus showed us that all that pain, grief, and confusion is not the end of the story. Jesus is risen. He is alive. And that means that no matter what pain or grief or confusion you are facing today, it's not the end of the story. The second reminder that we need today is that we need each other. I'm going to flesh this out a little bit more as we go on in today's sermon, but this is not new. Following Jesus has never been a solo activity. Almost all of Scripture seeks to address two primary questions. Who is God and how as a community do we live for him? Over and over again, the Scriptures show us that we can't separate the two commandments that Jesus gave us to love God and love people. You can't have one without the other. And so together we practice this paradox, this reminder that we live in this already but not yet, that, that Jesus is already victorious and that his eternal kingdom is coming and he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more division or violence or pain or death. But we're not there yet. We're still here in the not yet. Or we see both evidence of his healing and, and reconciling and his kingdom popping up all around us and we still see evidence of the old world where rebellion and division and violence are still in their last-ditch efforts. We live stuck between two worlds at all time, a world of mourning and a world of rejoicing. And we need each other to hold on to the hope of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Together in community, we must commit to live out what, what Paul calls us to in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
And these two reminders that Jesus is risen and that we need each other are exactly what baptism is all about. And we're in this identity series. What is the DNA of the church? And baptism is not just the DNA of Fremont Community Church. It's been a part of the DNA of Christians globally since the beginning of the church. Since Jesus called us to baptize people. Since he called us to make disciples and and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything that he's commanded them. So today, we're going to be baptizing three people in our service. We, we had five. Two got sick. So we're going to baptize them the next go around when the opportunity arises. And we'll have an, another opportunity for you if you want to get baptized in the, in the coming months. But I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the what and why of baptism. What is it? Why do we do it? And then this important question. If I haven't been baptized... Is this my next step of faith? And as you've probably heard me say before, the answer is probably yes. So uh, we're going to talk this morning about what baptism means. And sure, there are a ton of things that it means. But but for all of Christian history and in the scriptures, there's two primary things that it means. And the first one is this. Baptism means we are united with Christ. Baptism means we are united with Christ Christ. There is an individual element to baptism, right? Each person who gets baptized today is making a pledge of allegiance to Jesus Christ, saying he is my first priority, and every other priority is a distant second at best. Baptism means we are united with Christ, so when people get baptized, they're saying, I belong to him. That We get this from this amazing verse in in Romans chapter 6. And Paul says this, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. There's a lot of repeating phrases in there, and the Apostle Paul who writes this, he loves repeating phrases. So it it can be a tongue twister at times. But baptism, he's saying, is this public declaration. It's a declaration for all to witness, a pledge of allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ above all other commitments. It's saying, Jesus' death was for me. It was enough to forgive me for all of my sins. It's saying, Jesus' resurrection means I too will live new life now and eternal life after I die. That's what Paul is saying. When you go under the water, it's you're, you're saying Jesus' death was for me. And when you come back up, you're saying Jesus' life means I too live. What a beautiful picture. But I also want to bring some context to this because Paul was writing to a specific group of people. He's writing at a time uh, where the Roman Empire had their own cult religion where Caesar was one of the gods. Roman citizens were expected to honor this with the phrase, Caesar is Lord. They would proclaim, Caesar is Lord. But Christians not only refused to declare this, 
They got themselves into a lot of trouble by declaring Jesus is Lord. By declaring Jesus is Lord and therefore Caesar is not, one would find themselves at odds with the empire and in serious danger. The primary way people publicly declared their faith that Jesus is Lord, and the primary way that people still do that is through baptism. They took great risk to pledge their allegiance to the Lord Jesus by getting baptized. It's like they put a target on their back. So let me just say this. If you are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I want to get baptized. Maybe you're nervous about it for some reason. You don't like to be in the spotlight. You know, um, you, maybe you consider yourself a very private person. Or you, maybe you just don't think it's that big a deal. I got my personal relationship with Jesus. I, I'd, I'd ask you to consider those reasons to not get baptized, to reconsider that. Remember these brave Christians who followed Jesus at the threat of a sword. And these are our people. We owe our faith to them. They passed it along for generation to generation at great cost. So this really matters. It's a big deal. Pledging allegiance to Jesus as Lord, it, it encourages you and your faith. It also encourages others. And it also is a challenge for ourselves to say, yes, I really believe this. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm making this commitment. And now I'm going to seriously follow through with it. And we don't risk maybe what they risked back then, but it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge for us to say, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. And the funny thing is, we pledge allegiance to all sorts of things in our lives. And I want to give you a silly example. First of all, I don't know what's going on here. If you're from Wisconsin, raise your hand. Nobody? Okay, people from Wisconsin are weird. All right, I got that. Sorry if you're watching online in Wisconsin. Um, here's another one. This guy, he doesn't know what he should pledge his allegiance to. Should it be the Bengals or should it be Star Wars? And he's like, you know what? Why not both? I like it. I like the commitment. This, look at this adorable little Rams fan, right? This is for the Rams fan in here because she looks about as tough as the Rams did last year. Uh, I love this guy. I love this guy. He, he went with it. He just went for a theme. He's like, blue, just everything blue. If you see that guy at a Detroit Lions game, you're like, thumbs up. If you see that guy anywhere else, you're like, I'm going to the other side of the street. Here we go. Raiders fans, where are you at? Boo, we got some booze. Okay, all right. Just win, baby, right? That's the slogan. All right, this one I don't get. What is he wearing? A Super Bowl ring? Is he like the Pope of football? I don't understand what's going on here. Anyway, and then the last one. This one, I, I don't know what to do with. I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm just going to leave that up. I'm just going to leave that up there for a second. People will publicly declare their allegiance for a football team to the point of making themselves look as foolish as a grown man can look, right? And yet, we're hesitant to go towards baptism and to proclaim our allegiance to Christ. And I don't mean this as a guilt trip or a Jesus juke. Uh, you know, I'm not saying like, I wish you got more excited about Jesus than you did football. I'm not here to say that. But I say all this as a reminder that baptism is important. It's not this opt-in thing we do if we feel like it. It's something that the entire history of the church has said we are committed to doing this. And it's Jesus himself who commanded us to baptize those who said, I'm his disciple. 
Can we, it's going to be hard to preach with that thing going on behind me. Uh, can we get a blank slide thrown up there? <laughs> so for those who are like, yeah, baptism, I don't know if it's for me. I, I would just counter with this. What if it's actually not about you? Right? It's about Jesus. It's about proclaiming that he's the main character of the story, and now my life is wrapped up in his story. It's about surrender. I wanted to rule my own life, and I found myself lost. Now I give my life to Jesus. He is in charge, and I'm found. And this brings me to, to one other reason that this imagery of, of, of superfans is actually pretty helpful uh, when we talk about baptism. One of the most powerful things about sports is a sense of community that you bring. 70,000 people in an arena all cheering for the same team. I remember in 2002 when the Cleveland Browns clinched a playoff spot. It's a very rare thing to happen. They, this, I, after they won, I was hugging drunk strangers in the aisle. Why? I don't know this guy, but that's what people do. They, see, they have a sense of connection around this. And maybe you're not into sports ball. And so uh, have you ever been to a concert? Have you ever been to a concert where everyone in the crowd knows every word to every song? There's something special that happens. There's a connection that happens. It happens here every Sunday when we're worshiping. It's not just about me and Jesus. God is in this place and he's with us. Or maybe you've gone to Disneyland and you've seen a, another grown human being who spent $250 on a real lightsaber and you said, these are my people. We're all nerds and we get it. There's no judgment here. And I love all these things. These are all things that are a part of our humanity, but they point to something deeper within us. They point to something deeper that's created within us, a deep longing for community, a place where we can be fully known and fully loved. That's what the church should be striving to be. That's what we should be committing to one another. We should be better at this than, than the NFL fans. We should be better at this than Taylor Swift or Jar Jar Binks. That's for you, Albert. Uh, in the church, our connection with each other should go deeper than regional sports teams. A, a musician that we love or a work of fiction that we love. Those things are great, but they should be a mere shadow of the deep community that we should strive for. We should strive to be a community where we are connected because of how often we sit at each other's tables. We should be connected because we are in a truly safe space to talk about our deepest hopes and fears, our victories and our struggles. We should be connected because when I was weeping, you wept with me. When I was rejoicing, you brought the good buffalo wings to the party. All of this to say this next thing. Baptism means we're united with Christ, but baptism also means that we're united together. This isn't about individuals. This is about us. And we get this from Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 4. As a prisoner for the Lord then, this is Paul talking as he's imprisoned because he's preaching the gospel. He says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling you received. And then what does he say when he goes on to describe that? Be humble, gentle, patient, strive for unity, peace. Live a life worthy of the gospel, which is not just about avoiding sins. It's about other people. It's about relationship. And the rest of the chapter continues to lay that out. And actually, it's not just the rest of this chapter. The Bible was not written to me to tell me how I can individually have peace with God. It was written to communities. Each letter that Paul wrote was written to a specific community. He knew the people there, right? A people whose individual lives get wrapped up in the life of God, whose individual stories get wrapped up into the story of God. Ephesians 4 and the entire Bible is about the people of God trying to know him and work out life together in faithfulness to him. Even books that we think are primarily about theology in the New Testament actually aren't. They're far more about how we work out our faith in community. In their, in their context, often it was Jews and Gentiles, enemies, both going, you know what? I, I, I'm having a hard, hard time believing that God would welcome you. They each looked down on each other for different reasons and thought there's no way God could show favor to them because they belong to this group. And so the writers dig deep into theology, not to say, well, this who is in and this who is out, this who's in and this who is out. Instead, they dig deep to say, God is the one who saves and he's the only righteous judge. It's not about who's in and out. It's that everyone is welcome. And for all who accept the invitation, Jews or Gentiles, we're going to figure this out together. Work out your differences by being committed to one another. If everyone lays down their privilege and individualism, we can truly show the world what God's love is like when we love one another across ethnic, political, gender, national lines, etc., etc. But here's the problem. We live in a culture where uh, independence and individualism are the, the most lofty ideals. And this has some benefits. Don't hear me wrong. There, there's an element of biblical understanding of, of, of humanity here as we recognize that each individual is created in the image of God and therefore they are, are of infinite value and should be treated as such. They should be respected and cared for and treated equally. This is good and we need to hold on to that. But the problem comes when we take this too far. In our culture, we, we're promised that independence and individualism will lead to happiness. And, and I would question, is that true? We've never had more opportunity or technology to express our individual preferences and express ourselves as we want to. Are we happier? Well, the statistics say no. Mental health struggles are on the rise. People describe themselves as extremely lonely. The amount of close friends that people, have, uh, that, that people report having is way down. And I'm not here to say that being a unique individual uh, or, or that being independent is bad. I'm here to say that these things must exist within the tension that we are each unique individuals who are wired to be part of deep community. A huge part of the Christian faith is figuring out how to understand my own faith and identity as a follower of Jesus within a deep commitment to all of you, to each other. I exist for you, you exist for me, we exist for each other. Baptism means we are united together. So when you get baptized, you're saying, I am all in with Jesus and I am all in with his people. I'm opening myself up to be blessed and challenged by God's people in community and I'm committing to do the same for everybody else. 
And for those of us here who are witnessing baptisms today, we're not just bystanders. For all those who've committed ourselves to following Jesus, when we celebrate baptism today, we don't clap and say, oh, that's nice. Good luck with that. No. We say, praise God for what he is doing, what he's doing in your life. And no matter what your story is, your ethnicity is, your political leanings are, what Hogwarts house you belong to, what football team you root for, it doesn't matter. Welcome to the family. Let's figure this all out together. Truly, no matter what divides us, if we, if we commit to Jesus and each other, and each other above all else, every allegiance falls away to a distant second. We can figure out what this life looks like together. I believe it. So that's what baptism means. It means we are united with Christ. That means we are united together. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, let me just say this. Don't put it off any longer. We're going to have another baptism service in in, in the coming weeks, and we'll have more info to come about the specifics of that. We're going to have some baptism class options for you to come and make sure all your questions that you have about baptism can get answered. And whether you're brand new to following Jesus or you've been a Christian for decades, I want to just say this is important. I dare say it's, it's not optional because, again, it's not about me. It's about Christ and it's about us. United with Christ and united together. And so this morning, we're going to celebrate baptisms with three of our youth today. And I have the honor to baptize Haley Knutson and Will Knutson and my own son, Kieran Hayes. And each of these three, as they get into the tank, I'm going to ask them two questions. And here's what those questions are. There you go. Do you believe that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are enough to forgive your sins and give you new and eternal life? The second question, do you trust Jesus to be the Lord of your life and strive to follow him faithfully for the rest of your life? And after they answer yes to those two questions, I will baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When they go underwater, they're mirroring what we read in Romans 6, saying, Jesus' death is enough for me. I'm forgiven. When they come up out of the water, they're mirroring Jesus' resurrection, saying, because he lives, I now have new and the promise of eternal life. And that's where you all come in. This is a celebration. So when they come up out of that water, you have to make some noise. You have to clap or whistle or dance a jig in the aisle if you want, whatever. But let's celebrate what God has done in these individual lives. Let's celebrate their commitment to following Jesus together with us. And then let's commit ourselves to help them to help them be all in with our church and with Jesus so that we all might flourish in the faith. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and, uh, and as we started our sermon today, we just need to be reminded constantly, God, of those two truths that you, Jesus, you are risen. You are alive. And while we feel like the way the story is going sometimes is that death is winning. And this place is just, the darkness seems like it's overcoming. God, you are risen. The light has shone in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. We believe it today, Lord. And we need each other. Thank you for this time that we can be together today, God. 
to be reminded of the truth that you are with us, that you love us, that your death means that we can have forgiveness of sins and your resurrection means that we can have true eternal life. We pray over Will and Haley and Kieran today as they publicly with their church proclaim their faith in you. God, we commit to them to love them, to help them walk that path that leads to you. God, we, we commit that we uh, will, will make space for them and we will allow them to challenge us and grow us as well. And Lord, as they say this morning, they, they proclaim that they are united with you and they're united together with us. God, we celebrate what you're, you've done in their lives and what you're gonna do in and through them in the years to come. Lord, we love you and we celebrate these things in Jesus' name, amen.